who controls the spice controls the universe. You know, if you're reading Philip K. Dick and you're reading these like science fiction authors that are talking about this, it's really hard to not see it, you know, playing out in real life, like science fiction as foretold coming to life, being reality. And because of that, uh, you know, I took always took a special interest in science fiction, even when I was doing other things in my life. You know, the, when I'd go to read or entertain my entertain myself or keep my mind occupied, I loved reading you know, books about that kind of thing, because it was so easy to see how it was becoming reality piece by piece. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. The sleeper must awaken. about 300 or so miles or 350 miles from Chernobyl. Uh, I lived in eastern Germany, <clears throat> which is, you know, you know, a fair distance away, but uh, as, uh, you know, a late teen or so, I, when I got access to the internet, I came across maps of the radiation that spread across Europe and how it was distributed across Europe. And Germany, Germany got it particularly hard. And I was, uh, let me see, it was in 86. I was two and a half or three years old uh, when it happened. And I was too young to remember the actual disaster, except for, like, you know, a little bit general panic, you know, which, um, but, you know, in years later, uh, the significance came back because my mom ended up getting cancer, and I can't say for sure that it's connected to that. Whoa, welcome, digital friend. To episode number 103, glad you could join me. It's with Winston Blake Willer Ward. I'm serious, man. This human is rad. It was an honor to have Winston on the podcast and not to be a modern day movie trailer uh, and give you all the details before you get to actually listen to our conversation. But uh, man, it was wild. You know, he grew up in. Uh, Chernobyl, Chernobyl, I don't know how to say that word, uh, in Germany during the disaster as a child. Uh, we talked all things sci-fi and how sci-fi is becoming more popular than ever before. We talked about how quite possibly science fiction is what manifests our future. It allows us to dream bigger than we ever could before. We talked about how he discovered the freedom of writing, which led to him creating Infinite Worlds magazine and man so much more so without further ado friends let's get Dude, how do you say that thing, that disaster? Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they just actually made it. HBO apparently. I know, made dude. A, uh, um, and I would love to watch it, but I uh, haven't had a chance yet. I'm right in the middle of Barry, so. Oh uh, yeah. And so I've been. Like, Is that good? 
I like it a lot. I, I mean, need to I, check I it out. I haven't even finished the first season yet, so okay. you know, I might, you know, I, I reserve judgment. Until, yeah. you know, at least, <laughs> at least I finished the first season. But uh, yeah, so far I like it a lot, man. Bill Hader like plays a convincing sociopathic killer, <laughs> uh, like, uh, but he, you know, he's, he's just like he's really relatable because he's fucking Bill Hader, you know? Yeah, hell <laughs> it's, yeah, dude, it's, I love it's Bill cool. Hader. Um, dude, that's super sick, man. Uh, so, but I do want to watch the Chernobyl one. I yeah, um, yeah. So I lived. Uh, about, I actually don't know the exact mileage, so I won't try to quote it, but I lived in, uh, just bro science that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was probably about 300 or so miles or 350 Whoa. miles from Chernobyl. Uh, I lived in Eastern Germany, <clears throat> which is, you know, you know, a fair distance away, but, uh, as, uh, you know, a late teen or so I, when I got access to the internet, I came across maps of the radiation, that spread across Europe and how it was distributed across Europe. And Germany, Whoa. Germany got it particularly hard. And I was, uh, let me see, it was in 86. I was two and a half or three years old uh, when it happened. And I was too young to remember the actual disaster, except for like, you know, a little bit general panic, mm-hmm. you know, which, um, but you know, in years later, uh, the significance came back because my mom ended up getting, cancer and i can't say for sure that it's yeah connected i was gonna to ask that. you about that when you told me i was like did you think it was connected to it the- definitely feels connected to me you know in my yeah. in my life's story timeline if i'm writing my autobiography it definitely feels connected to me yeah <clears throat> and um that was also the same year as the challenger disaster oh uh, 1986 and it's the year my brother was born that's crazy uh so like these childhood events definitely like you know steered me in like the mental direction of science fiction, I think. Yeah. From a really early age, you know, space disasters and nuclear meltdowns. <clears throat> and, um, you know, kind of like in the periphery of my mind or whatever, but, you know, because I'm just a little kid. But, you know, yeah. you know, in as a five-year-old, the disaster is only a couple years old. And you're seeing it on the news. Like, oh, it's yeah. the two-year disaster, the three-year disaster, the five-year dis- anniversary of the disaster. <clears throat> and, you know, definitely stuck with me. And... My mom, my relationship with my mother, you know, she and I were really close even while she was sick. She, uh, we worked together, like my first, not my very first job, but one of my first jobs was working in a restaurant that she also worked at. And I worked as like a busboy and then, you know, occasional server. Uh, We went to, we drive there together, work together, drive home together. And uh, a lot of her, and she steered me in the direction of science fiction as well Mm -hmm. on top of these other factors. Um, she loved the Star Trek series, which, you know, I, I was great. I Hell mean, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to love, you know, but you, you know, you can turn this shit off. If you don't like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, she, you know, she liked the book Dune. She had read the book Dune and, you know, from a woman from Darien, Georgia, you know yeah. what I mean? That's not <clears throat> what you'd expect. You yeah. know, I think a lot of people wouldn't expect that of her, you know, and, you know, she was a waitress when, uh, she did pass away and everything. So, you know, you, it goes to show that like, there's this undercurrent of thought in people mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, you know, you don't necessarily perceive when you meet them and, you know, yeah, man, no, that's really good. And also uh, on the point of the 86, the year 86 and everything, I kind of have also felt that my life has sort of gone along this timeline where <clears throat> I was born in 83 and I turned 18 in 2001. And like 2001 has historically in the 20th century was looked at as like 
that day in the future, that yeah, that future day. It it's was. 2001, a space odyssey, you know what yeah. I mean? And it really was, the, and that's like when I became an adult, that year. <clears throat> and I, at the same time that was happening, you know, we were reading, reaching a new scientific threshold. Like we were getting smartphones. We're not quite smartphones yet, but we were getting like high-speed internet. Mm-hmm. We were getting like cell phones that, you know, you could readily carry around. Yeah. And, you know, texting each other, uh, social media. Yeah. And it was like a whole new, you know, a whole new world all, all at once. And it just happened to align with the turn of uh, the century, the new millennia. And, you know, if you're reading Philip K. Dick and you're reading these like science fiction authors that are talking about this, it's really hard to not see it, you know, playing out in real life. Like science fiction, as foretold, coming to life, being reality. And because of that, uh, close this. You want me to close this one? Yeah, you might. Boom. Um, yeah, and because of that, uh, you know, I took always took a special interest in science fiction, even when I was doing other things with my life. You know, but when I'd go to read or entertain my entertain myself or keep my mind occupied, I loved reading you know yeah. books about that kind of thing because it was so easy to see how it was becoming reality piece by piece. Oh yeah, and you know that always. And the Chernobyl disaster, like, coming back around to where we started. Yeah, did your mom and dad ever, like, did they talk about it? Um, not, not really. Not, I don't think so. My dad has talked about it in the past. Yeah. Or whatever. Mentioned it once or twice. Um, I don't know what my dad blames, but I bet he, I don't, or if there is a blame, you know, it's yeah. cancer. It's, but, you know, it was a type of cancer. She got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and <clears throat> it can come from radiation. Yeah. Uh or be caused by, or at least I think that's correct. I'm not a doctor. So yeah, please don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you were just so I can wrap my mind around this, like your, your mom is from Georgia. Mm-hmm. What brought y'all to like to Germany? Well, she, uh, met my, my dad was in the military and, ah, okay. and, uh, he took, he took the whole family there. I was yeah. born in Massachusetts and the plan was to stay in that area. But after I was born, uh, he got reassigned to, I think he was going to get reassigned to South Korea where um, he would have to go by himself for like two years or something like that. Whoa. <clears throat> uh, like the family wasn't, it wasn't like a family situation, yeah. I guess. And he refused the assignment and they, the next thing they could give him was Germany. And this was during the Cold War. So he was basically like a army spook. Uh, he did, uh, he was a military intelligence guy. So Whoa. he, we were, you know, he was like the one of those guys on the checkpoint of like, the Czech Republic and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's crazy. Or Czechoslovakia at the time. Uh, and we left there in about 89 and moved to uh, North Texas. And I had like a country upbringing for real, man. Like really? from, the, from the age of five until Gosh, about... Gosh, what a big shift, man. Yeah, totally. Like the, the wildest shift ever, man. And it was great because we lived on like th- 300 acres. Holy with shit. cows. Damn. We had chickens. We had turtles. I mean, we, grew, we had a huge garden. We took our the fruit and vegetables from our garden to the uh, county fair and won tons of ribbons. What? No, man, I am not joking. Like, it's it like was, a Charlotte's Web story. It was dude. like that. I, I, t- I swear to God, I swear. I, I take a cane pole and walk like 300 yards out to a stock pond what? on our property and cane pole fish and catch perch and little rock bass every dude. day. And I, when I got older, I had catfish. Uh, sh- you know, we'd shoot guns sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like we we're not a big gun family, but, um, yeah, that's the kind of upper, that's what I was ha- like, you know, my day to day life was like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
I, you know, I, as a kid, of course, you're going to love that. How are you not going to love yeah, that? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. But then uh, my mom got sick, and we moved to Brunswick, Georgia, which... Um, for those who don't know downtown Brunswick, Georgia, it is not very country at all. It is <laughs> the opposite of country. It's like, you know, pretty inner, pretty inner city. Uh, and it's, you know, not a great environment. It's pretty poor and everything. And, uh, it was a real culture shock to me, like a Whoa, huge culture I shock. I imagine, man. Um, and I lived in North Texas on 300 acres and I, I, I might've met one black person in my life wow. at that point. And then we get to Southern Georgia and I live in like a 85% black community and it was a total shift for me. And I'm like a country boy and yeah. it was a, a eye opening experience. And, you know, I'm honestly for that, I'm so grateful that I yeah, got, got sure. a chance to like, you know, I, if I had gone the country North Texas route my whole life, who <laughs> yeah. knows yeah, like what kind, kind of moron I would have turned out to be or whatever. But, yeah. uh, um, and I, we lived there and I had a mostly negative impression of the place because it, like I say, it was a pretty poor place and my, um, mother was dying the whole time I lived yeah, there. Yeah, sure. And she died when I was 16 and you know, that sucked. Uh, and then, um, I was a theater kid actually when I was in, um, high school, I did pretty well, um, uh, acting and on the technical theater side and got a bunch of scholarships, went to college on a bunch of scholarships, had free room and board, free meals. Shit, uh, and it, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. But, uh, I, <clears throat> my mother had just died. I went to college. I was still 17 when I, it's my first day of college. And, uh, my mother had died the year before. And about three weeks after I started my first semester of college, 9-11 happened. Whoa. Uh, and I was in my dorm room when it happened. And I tried to join the Army, but I, uh, <clears throat> I was born without a left peck. Weird, really? Yeah, super weird story about me uh, in case, you know, my true fans, you know, in yeah. the future will be like, is that, is that a true story? But it really is. Wow. It's called Poland Syndrome. Look it up. Uh, and uh, so I couldn't, they wouldn't take me. They wouldn't take you because of that? Yeah. That's and I can't really see out of my left eye very well either. And I, okay. I think they're related, but I can't say for ah. sure. Uh, so I was med- uh, medically unfit uh, yeah. to join and, you know, thank whatever forces that be that that is the case. Because yeah, I'm man. glad I did not, I, in retrospect, I'm really glad I never went to the <laughs> army too, you know? Yeah. I yeah, don't know yeah. what person I would end up being then either. Yeah. But not, not you know, listen, I've got uh, serious problems with the, the way the military is used sometimes. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think I've got anything against any soldier in particular. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a different life that I don't understand. Yeah. You know, but I, my problem was with the politicians, not really the soldiers. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and so, you know, no no disrespect intended at all. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, um... Uh, I kind of lost my spot there. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, you were talking about... Um, your mom and, you know, like 9-11. 9/11. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, 9/11. So 9-11 happened. And then that's happening right at the same time. Social media is happening right at the same time. All these other things happen all at once. And it was such a head trip for me that I just could not. And my mom having died and everything, just all the emotion. And I'm, plus, I'm a 18-year-old kid yeah. who had to spend these previous years in this place he didn't like. <clears throat> and uh, I just wigged out completely wigged out quick like stopped going to class sat in my room all day on the internet all day every day uh failed all of my classes uh uh, just could not get my head right and then uh instead of going back the next semester i just moved to atlanta 
because I thought wow. it was like, you know, the closest place with any culture, with something something I, you know, could latch onto, something I could find to, you know, it's like that uh that song the um come and find your kind or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I can't I can't yeah, remember yeah, who it is yeah. that, but you know, the pop song. Um yeah, and I definitely had that feeling. I needed that. I needed that really bad. And mm-hmm. I came here, and I did find a lot of that. And I'll, for the first part, it was like being around like musicians and sure, like yeah. kids at shows. And you know, I made a lot of friends that way. And I promoted. Sh- I ended up moving back to Brunswick for a while and promoting shows in Brunswick. And I had a lot of fun. Met a lot of people. Ended up meeting people who wanted me to come roadie for them. Drove around mm-hmm. the country for about a year. Had a blast doing it. Had, would never trade that experience for anything. For sure. But you know, it's not very productive. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't. You don't. You don't have a lot of free time to do your own thing at all. You have no free time to do your own thing. You know what I mean? Uh, you're definitely not making any money or saving any money. Uh, kind of ruined my credit a little bit doing that. Sure. Uh, so I came back and I did kind of started from like I, in my early twenties, just like didn't know what I was going to do. So I ended up working at a bar kind of developed a drinking problem uh and ended up getting married didn't work out she's a great lady hope nothing but good things for her in the future yeah. uh but uh i was just unfit you know just emotionally unfit and then uh started using writing and you know in my early 20s to kind of like really find myself yeah uh uh sorry i some, hear some puppies some dogs <laughs> right here sorry, sorry <laughs> it's folks. all good <laughs> uh, nothing wrong we're not anti-dog on this podcast <laughs> uh, sorry guys um, uh, started using writing as kind of a way to find my way and uh, reading and writing a lot and mm-hmm. definitely the whole time gravitating back towards like my original source material my mother and all the those events that you know and science fiction and Star Trek and all that Dune and then um I started the 500, which is like a uh, monthly flash fiction, flash writing exercise. I just um, post a prompt at the first of every month. How'd how'd you get that idea? I don't know. I I was living in South Korea. Uh, My ex-wife and I moved to South Korea for a year so she could teach English, and I ended up working in a magazine being like a copy editor or an editor. And uh, I just wanted to write more. and um, I just thought, well, this will keep me at least honest. It'll like make me write something every month. Yeah, <clears throat> it'll it'll force me to meet a deadline to write within a you know a word limit, mm-hmm. and uh, do it every month. And uh, you know, I've, it's been successful. I've been able to, you know, keep the record. <clears throat> I've been able to write a story every month since I started it in February of two thousand eleven. Dude, so it's a but it's only it's only a page and a half long story or That's so. That's still cool. To, like, what does that feel like to just know that you've done, <clears throat> you've stuck to something that long? Um, well, I'm planning. <laughs> it feels good. It does feel good. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, uh, I, but I do think anyone could do it. And yeah. that is the truth about that. And that, that's really that's a good point. I, I do think anybody can do it. You know what I mean? It takes about an hour and a half, I'd say of thinking about it to come up with something that you could possibly use as a story. And then about two hours of sitting down and like writing it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's about three and a half hours out of a two week period. And it's, you know, it's definitely a devotion of time for sure. But mm-hmm. most people could find that time, I think. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're writing in, unless you're going over it and thinking about it for a long period of time, your writing might not be the best. That's the truth. And a lot yeah. of the things I've put on that, uh, 
website are not necessarily my best writing. And I don't care. I don't yeah. care. You, like it, it's a warts and all kind of situation there. And you, absolutely, okay. if you find something on there and you're like, I can't believe this idiot wrote this. <laughs> I, I also can't believe this idiot wrote that. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you I know, feel about that with my old work all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, so, hey, you know, but it's not coming down because, you know, I, I believe in being honest with, you know, about the creative process. I believe in being honest about, I really believe in being as honest as you can. And yeah. that's another thing that I had to learn as I got a little older about being honest and about the importance of being honest. And <clears throat> that kind of comes around to, you know, me quitting drinking. And that was definitely, you know, I, even in a terms of like being honest, you know, with your friends or something yeah, like that, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can't really be honest with yourself when you, I think when you drink a lot, <laughs> I'm like, were you drinking pretty right, like every day kind of thing? Oh or? yeah, I was a I was a pretty bad drinker, and you know I <clears throat> I never got a DUI, and that's only due to you know good fortune, yeah, and exclusively due to good fortune. Um, but you know I definitely. What did it do for you? Like, what do you think? <clears throat> looking I, back, you know, I know exactly what it was. I and I think I know exactly what it was, but I felt a lot of shame. I felt mm. a lot of shame for kind of like giving up a really good situation in my life and kind of like, you know, falling apart and not handling myself the way I knew I could mm -hmm. not being the, uh, you know, functioning person that I knew I was capable of being. And, you know, it, it hurt to feel that way. And it was harder to fix it sure. than it was to drink and, you know, feel miserable about it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but then, you know, I, my health suffered because of it. I had a doctor one time tell me that if I didn't quit drinking, I'd die. True story. Uh, yeah, it was That's not wild. a fun, not a fun thing to say or hear. Yeah. Um, but I drank for like three years after that. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, so, uh, but then just, I guess I just came to a point where I was like, man, I'm never going to make anything out of my life. If I just don't stop, I gotta, yeah. I gotta fix it. <clears throat> and I'm not saying you can't drink and, you know, be a totally functioning person by all, I, you know, but for me, I just, it, I couldn't make it work, man. I just, it was unnecessary expense. It was unnecessary time wasted. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I am a much happier person, totally it, true story. And that's yeah. not one of those like, <clears throat> you know, and testimonials like that are so cheese ball. And I, to <laughs> I, 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 I totally understand that. And I totally understand that, you know, like, how eye roll inducing this kind of talk is, <clears throat> but it's just, you know, me being honest, man. And that's, nah, yeah, that's a dude. And, I don't think it's cheese ball at uh, all, man. You know what I mean? Like that's while we're talking about that. One thing I wanted to ask you when you said like you were kind of going through that wig out phase in college, like, you know, maybe even that's part of the initial part of you, maybe like falling apart or whatever that mm -hmm. was like, what did that actually feel like? Cause I definitely had some wigging out times in my life too, where I was just like really having a hard time gripping on with reality in general. But, um, what was it like? Like, what did it, I'm always interested to know, like, what did it, like, what was it like in here? Well, I felt, I, I think the word that comes to my mind first is trapped. I felt mm. like reality had trapped me in a situation and mm. <clears throat> like, where I didn't want to be the kid yep. in this school whose mom had died, who, uh, you know, couldn't join the army if I wanted to, you know, like these other, you know, whatever the situation out there. Yeah. Too bad the uh, listeners can't actually see these cute dogs. Then they yeah. wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. It would be on they, they, it would be happily interrupted. Yeah, instead exactly. Of just a bunch like, of noise. Oh, there they are again. <laughs> anyway, go on. They're so sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, when Ryan. Uh, 
you know, suggested that we do this. I was like, you can come to my house, but, but, you know, like, uh, <laughs> dude, I don't think it minds at all. I think, I think, man, you know, what's so cool is maybe being a listener and I don't know, I'm speaking for everybody right now, but it's like, you know, they're getting to sit down with us right now. It's like a beautiful view. Like if they could be here, we're at this kitchen table, man, we're looking out and the, it looks like the Amazon jungle is beautiful. And, uh, yeah, man, we're just like elevated too, which is kind of cool. And I liked how we had the, uh, we, for a while at the beginning of the podcast, we had the freaking window open. But one thing I liked that you just said, man, was reality. It felt like it was, you were trapped in it. And that's when I was in my weirdest time. It was the same thing when I was telling you about all that data I was in. My dad had cancer. I just had my son. It was like, mm-hmm. I was in this just place where I was like, oh my God, I, I, I have to wake up. It's like, it was like, it was like almost like scary as hell just to wake mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. just to know that like everything that was still there, you know, all right. those issues. And it was like, oh my God, how do I get out of this shit? You know, it's crazy, man. Um, yeah, definitely. And it, I kept piling it on too. The thing is that the more trapped or the more I tried to just kind of like, I don't know, drink it away or I don't know, mm-hmm. be angry about it or what, what, all the different things I kept doing were not really addressing the issue, which is putting in like, and this is the motivational speaker in me again. The only way to fix any of these situations <laughs> yeah. is doing the daily work. Dude, that's so true. Though. Like you got to get up and do the dishes. You got to get yeah, up man. and you know, whatever it is. And it sucks sometimes but eventually it doesn't suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I was just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. And, you know, I tried every other thing to, you know, feel untrapped, but it just kept making it worse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <clears throat> like just every irresponsible action I took made me feel more trapped eventually. Yeah. Even if it made me feel freer at the moment, it kept me more trapped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I guess instinctually realized, oh, you just got to get up and do the work. You, <laughs> yeah. you got to write a story every month. You got to, you got to write, you got to go do the events. You got to appear on the podcast. You got to make sure that all the customers get the magazine, you know, in a quick way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you just got to, you got to, you got to be responsible or you'll never, yep. I think the responsibility that's, uh, I guess I, you know, my dad's a very extreme, my dad's the most responsible person I've ever met. He's unbelievably responsible. Um, but somehow that didn't make its way to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Until I was like 30 already yeah, or more older than 30, like 32 or three. Yeah. I'm 35 now. So let let me say like, it's been a, a long time coming. Um, but you know, I really did want to be a more responsible person inside. It just kept me, like I said, shame. That's yeah, what it was. man. Again, hey, how did I, you break I, away from it? Like, what was like the big thing? I don't know. It was, you it know, was like it a was, gradient kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, it kind of was a gradient. Like, I just got tired of my life being a disaster mm, <laughs> all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? Like, I just was like, I just am so sick of this. And what am I going to do? Like, what are you, what are you, what are your, your options just get narrower and narrower? Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end, at the end, the two options are always the same. And <laughs> yeah. you, I, I won't go down that dark route. I know, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And eventually it's like, you got to pick one of the two yeah. eventually. And it's like, it's, you got to make the decision. And I just made the decision and that's like, I, yeah. I didn't go to a treatment center or anything like that. I just, and you know, I definitely had temptation for sure, but mm-hmm. it's not something I miss at all. Like yeah. I, I have no problem going to a bar and sitting with people who are drinking. I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Don't care. I just no, it just messes me up. Yeah. It's, it's just not it. for you now. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Like I've exactly. changed enough, so I don't need it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
Uh, and that's not like a superiority no, type. Yeah, like I a, totally no, I don't that. mean anything like that at all towards anybody. It just, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, can, and I think a lot of people think they can. Mm, that's <laughs> uh, a good point. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, no, man, that's, that's exactly, I love that, man. So, so going back to, you know, your writing and all that, and then how does that transition into infinite worlds? Like where you finally start making this big leap? <clears throat> um, well that actually, that's the story of what happened to infinite worlds was I liked publishing when I got the opportunity to make the book for the 500. I had a book of my short stories, published by a uh, uh, local publisher here in Atlanta, Dear Bear Wolf. And uh, I really liked that where I worked at the magazine when I was in Korea. I really liked the world. You know, I really like, you know, actual books. I like, yeah. I like having the thing in your hand. And, you know, that's, uh, I hear that, express, I hear people say that a lot, you mm -hmm. know, that they actually like it. And I thought, you know, if people really do like it, maybe I'll see if I can make one. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine, he's a... Uh, one of my best friends is this middle-aged man named James. Middle-aged, he's like an older man. He's like he was born in 1955. He's the same age as my dad, actually. <clears throat> and uh, he was a trivia. He was a guest at one of the bars I worked at. He was like a regular customer, and uh, he was on a trivia team. And I just love trivia. I'm a huge trivia nerd. <clears throat> and he was really good. And I was like, okay, I got respect for this guy, even though he's kind of a, you know, an old geek. Uh, no offense, James, if you hear this, I love you. And he got, got got along really great, and we went to some baseball games together, and just pontificated about life. And he's just a cool guy. <clears throat> but we've been friends for years. Uh, and he came over here one day, and uh, he, I had bought a lot of the entire 1969 run of uh, Galaxy magazine uh, on eBay, like a a lot of the 12 issues, or I think it's actually only 10 issues. I think they did like a combined month issue twice a year mm -hmm. and um he came over and we were looking through them and i you know i love those th those kinds of things just like nerding out over them and everything but uh i was just looking at it and just thinking man i this magazine's cool but it's and it, i really like the stories in it you know you usually you know usually it's good stuff mm -hmm. um but it's a lot of things wrong with it that this that generation didn't get right yeah. Uh, and they missed up like so many things like it's on like the world's worst paper. They're printed on this terrible paper. Uh, and, and even though I like it, you know, for yeah. nostalgia's sake, sure. You, there's no way you could put a quality illustration on that page. Yeah. You know what I mean, and, uh, the cover art, was usually the best piece of art. And I think that's cool and everything, but it really is kind of like the best experience of the whole magazine was seeing the cover. Yeah. And I like, to me, even though I like the magazines a lot, and I do like the stories in a minute. Please believe me. I love reading those old stories. Uh, I just don't think they often lived up to the cover the way I, you know, is, and I thought, you know, this art needs its own platform too. So I thought, yeah. I, I, you know, I could put more of that art in there. So you're getting that same high from the cover over and over again as you turn the page, you know, what yeah. I mean? you print it in color. And I was like, I, I can do these things because I live in this, Philip K. Dick modern reality yeah. where like this head trippy futuristic world where I'm able to do these things. Yeah, man. And I, from my phone, like this whole thing was able, I made almost all of this happen from my cell phone. That's insanity, man. Um, <laughs> it's like the gateway to infinity. It really is. And, and, and it's so funny because like I, I grew up because of that timeline that my life has been on. I grew up 
with the first half of my life, there not being any internet, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I use the Dewey decimal system in the public library oh, and at the shit. school library. Yeah. Like that's how I did. That's how you did things. I had to go look through an uh, encyclopedia to learn things Yeah. until a certain age. And then at that point, this all changed. So to me, you know, I, it does still, even as an adult seem like, wow, we really just stepped through the gateway into the future all kind of mm-hmm. all at once. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, we're going to continue to do that. And I think it's going to get more, a lot more wild, a lot more quickly. The thing I'm scared oh, of, yeah, man. the thing I'm scared of now is the, uh, the deep fakes. Dude, uh, that's a good point that no one ever brings up um, enough. That is scary, dude. Yeah. Well, like it's like, I do think we're definitely on the verge of this. See, that's, um, I know I mentioned his name so often, but he really is like one of my greatest inspirations is Philip K. Dick. And mm-hmm. like that blurring of the lines between reality and unreality, the, the, impo- the when it's impossible to tell if what you're seeing is real or a simulation, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that's the, uh, the new frontier, man, that's what we're up against and that's going to happen. And, uh, it was always going to happen. Yeah, it was. And, uh, it's coming soon. And we were already part of the way there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you already can make videos that most people can't tell if I'm looking at something. Yeah, the man. only reason you know it's fake is because the content of the video suggests that it's fake. I mean, we live our lives in social media, theoretically, like our consciousness spends more time in social media than it does in reality. So it's like, arguably we've already kind of begin beginning to blur the boundaries of like technology and like what we're experiencing to be real. And the person that we tend to put out there and put forth to people on social media, it's like, this is who I am. Like, like me, you know, like this is my best, you know, like this is my best side. You know, and it's like we've already kind of manipulated reality, and it's kind of it's it's been pretty crazy to watch, man. I absolutely, agree. absolutely, and you know, I think it's just going to get crazier. And I think the 2016 election proved that that reality can be manipulated to great effect. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm a fairly political in the magazine. Not you know, I'm a fairly political person in real life, but I won't bore the podcasters with yeah. that right now. <laughs> um, but it, it, if nothing else, it proved that world events can be shaped through it. Yeah, man. And you know, as far as we know, world events are all events. You're all. You know, this is the the all of history is just the human history so far as we know right now. Exactly. So that's all all of reality shaped through our impressions of reality on social media, Mm -hmm. our impressions of reality on, you know, through the news, through all of these other outlets. And uh, (laughs) it's keep having that perspective on all of these things is, you know, it makes it all the more terrifying to it be honest is, with man. you. Like it is, man. Dude, the conditioned mind, man, the echo chambers, the confirmation bias, like it's at an all-time high, man. Like that's the other problem is you can curate your reality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can pick the people you're in, you're with, and you're so sold out to the vision, you know? And that's why lately I've been, you know, people often ask me what I believe now, and I tell them like, man, I, I, I believe people believe things. And I, 
I I just want to have my mind open to wonder than one closed to belief. Like I I I just have to insist that, man, as much as it might offend someone or inspire someone, like that's just where I'm at, man, is I've got to keep my heart open, man. Because like you said, like who knows in five, 10 years, you could, you could be watching shit that's just not even real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with the deep fake stuff, like you, we won't even know. I mean, and like you said, man, with Facebook, like, and, and I see it so many times in my own family, they'll be, they'll tell me about like, did you see that so-and-so happened? Now Google the thing. And I'm like, oh, you just read the headline. Like, it's actually, that's not even what happened. Like, if you actually read right. the article. And so, you know. That's and their the, impressions, they're, that's their yeah, reality. Yeah, and that's man. the reality they are living is where that <sighs> is the information. That's the truth. Yeah, that's what they've man. heard. That's what they know. And, you know, that's, a, that's true for everyone. Yeah, it's man. true for every person. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we only have the information that we have. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all ignorant. Exactly, you know, By definition, man. we're all super ignorant. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's dangerous. It's treacherous. But I think the optimist in me believes that there is a path forward, yeah. even through even through the quagmire of the near future. I think that we can do it, and I think you know there's some you know certain things that people really have to kind of embrace, and it has to be taught. And I don't know what means we will have to instill uh, uh, an infrastructure that, you know, will make that the truth. Like, so I think, you know, you got to teach people to be responsible. You got to teach people to shy away from violence. You yeah. have to teach people to, uh, you know, cooperate. You have to teach people to share. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of you are shaking your head and calling me a communist right now. <laughs> I'm not a communist. I own a business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I just, you know, believe there are certain values that I, you know, are, the better values because of the ultimate goal. And this is really my main point here is that the ultimate goal is the survival of the human race. Yeah. And that is the ultimate goal. If you, mm-hmm. there, every single person person should embrace that goal because even if you are just a nihilist and are going to die off, you've got to have somebody you care about yeah. in some way. They'll die off. Their kids will die off. Some, they will, it will be the end of everything that we all know. Unless we could do something about it. And we're not going to do it if we're killing each other. We're not going to do it if we're, you know, (sighs) slaves to all of this generational dogma. Yeah, man. We have to, we have to have a mind shift. There has to be some way. And, you know, you see it. You do see it. Yeah, yeah, see. There's definitely some hope for sure. Yeah, green technology and all the things, Mm -hmm. you know, you do see it. Uh, But, you know, it's it's treacherous. Like I say, you know what I mean? You got to be careful because, like, it's been what, 50, 60 something years since we could destroy an entire city in instantly. Yeah. <laughs> like in just a split second, we could destroy an entire city and, uh, or, you know, within a few hours or a few days, kill everyone on earth. Yeah. We for sure could. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in civilization, in history. And, you know, that's been the reality that of course we've grown up in, mm-hmm. even our parents grew up in that. Uh, but you know, so far we haven't done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to just kind of try your best to shape the future and you shape the future through your actions. Do one thing I want, you were talking about and it's something I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, if you look back at sci-fi in general, it's always kind of given birth to reality almost, you know, it's Absolutely. like, like, cause obviously we are the stories that we tell, tell ourselves, you know, we were talking about that off the podcast and, uh, so one thing I was thinking about is like, how cool would it be if, 
you know, this younger generation takes something like sci-fi and begins to create a new story, a new way of thinking, a new, uh, a new way of being able to manifest, you know, a new reality, a better reality through these stories, through the mythology. And I think that's one thing we're missing so much in today's culture is like mythology, like storytelling, you know, I mean, that's one of the coolest aspects of religion. <laughs> if there's, if there, if, if I had to pick one, you know what I mean? It's just the stories in general, you know, right. They're captivating, you know, and, it would be so cool if, if uh, you know, instead of being focused just on like high tech or AI or aliens, you know, it, like what if sci-fi started giving birth to these new uh, versions of like a utopia and what that could actually mean, like oh, a you, better world. And I think, you know, I do think that's covered from time to time and it yeah. approached from, from different directions yeah. too, you know. And I always tell people like what the distinction between science fiction and other, uh, you know, particularly fantasy, fantasy yeah, they get yeah, lumped, yeah, yeah. lumped together a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, the yeah. distinction there, I, I can't remember which author said this and I have to take a guess. And I'm going to say it was Arthur C. Clarke. Mm -hmm. I think I said something and I'm going to paraphrase like, uh, fantasy is something that can never be real, but you want to be real. Mm. Um, and science fiction is the opposite of that. Science wow, fiction is like that. Yeah. something that can be real, but you may not necessarily want it to be real. Yeah. Or maybe you do, yeah. uh, but you don't, you know, but it can be achieved. And that's what kind of separates science fiction from that's fantasy. That's cool, man. And I'm like, glad you said that. I never did that. Uh, that's, I'm learning some shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that's, like, that's, cool. that's sort of a loose definition or whatever, mm -hmm. but I definitely have always, because, because of that, science fiction deals with even though the word fiction is in the title of the genre, it deals with reality mm -hmm. in a great, you know, pretty much head on most times, even if it's a uh, possible reality of the future, it's still a possible reality. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of time, it does, sh the ideas that are introduced to the human consciousness through science fiction do absolutely, without question, influence you know, the events of the future. And it has yeah. been demonstrated over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you know, Franken's, I, I think science fiction, I'm one of the people who believes that science fiction, the genre was started by Mary Shelley when she published Frankenstein. Hmm. Um, and I'm gonna go with that too. <laughs> well, you know, like, Cause I don't know my fucking <laughs> okay, yeah, but there's a lot I of trust you. <laughs> there's a lot of people who, th you know, have different, you know, like sure. there, there are stories about space and stuff in other cultures, Egyptian oh, culture I and see. everything. So some people have like the yeah. thought that it's been going on for much longer. Yeah, sure. And okay. you know, in some respect it has or whatever, yeah. but science, the idea of science hasn't really been going on that long. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, people have embraced logic for, you know, a couple of millennia, mm -hmm. but like the idea of actual science and the science behind it has been, is a fairly new concept. <clears throat> um, I uh, lost my train of thought. Uh, Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, Frankenstein uh, introduced uh, science fiction, but it also predicted the future in many respects. Like, although we don't reanimate people, ah, that's a we, good, we like do that, yeah. approach medicine differently yeah. because of it. And we do still, to this day, run experiments about on reanimation. Bring people back to life. Yeah, you we, know? and uh, uh, the idea of going to the moon. Mm -hmm. Is a great example. That was, in, of course, introduced first in science fiction, you know. And uh, Philip K. Dick again. I'm going to drop his name for like the fourth time on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, well, hey, if you don't, if you don't read him, go read one of his books. Seriously. Go read any of his books. So you know, just you know, like. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, he definitely predicted like all sorts of like little things, you know, that really show up in um, yeah. uh, vid phones and all those kinds of things. And, you know, that's, I always look at science fiction as sort of like a, a rough sketch of the future. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. Like you like or you write down or the storyboard of yeah. the future kind of. Uh this and you know and it but of course things could come along and change that completely. You know, you know just because you predict a certain future based on the trajectory of, you know, current events. Yeah. Doesn't mean it'll happen. It you know who knows what will uh, you know, what events will, you know, we could be hit by a meteor to, yeah. tomorrow and the world could be destroyed. <clears throat> I you know, you never know. Dude, I just had a weird thought I want to, because I mean, dude, you know so much more about this kind of stuff. So I want to like pick your brain as like I get these like weird thoughts. So where, in your mind, okay, so we're talking about how science fiction is giving birth to like reality, right? And I totally agree. I think most people who would just actually think about it a little bit would agree. Um, but where do thoughts come from? And like oh, in man. your mind and and how weird would it be because if it is dictating the future like whatever that is you know whatever whatever that space is that we're tapping mm. into that's bubbling up into our consciousness yeah it's like maybe its intent is a lot of what is happening you know i mean maybe it's it's somehow not directly influencing us but like kind of giving us these seeds you know oh, like man. it's so <laughs> weird uh, dude, uh, <laughs> it's sort of a time travel paradox type yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and you're, it's, uh, what if it's ourselves in the future? Yeah, like, Hey man, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. whispering <laughs> shit in our ear. That's actually, uh, I don't know if you know this or you listeners know this. I'm going to be a nerd, but that's actually the plot of the shining in the novel. Really? Uh, the Stanley, uh, it's, uh, in Stephen King's novel. Yeah. Uh, Danny, the, uh, Tony, the little voice in his head is just him from the future oh. communicating with him to him as a kid. Oh, uh, and they don't go into that in the movie, but, uh, yeah, uh but I need to rewatch that. Like well, I love I've that never, movie, yeah. but, uh, uh, but they don't really talk about that, that plot aspect, point yeah, yeah, in, in the, the movie, yeah. in the movie, but in the book, that's how the book ends was with like, you know, him later in life and being Dude, like, Oh, that's me. That's crazy. <clears throat> um, uh, but yeah. And that's a, one of my favorite things about science fiction. What you just did mm-hmm. was just having like a sort of a trippy thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like, the, the, yeah. the, and, uh, exactly. the, those trippy thoughts, those kind of like, uh, new thoughts yeah. are like the root of inspiration. Yeah, you know? and, man. and through inspiration, not only do we create scientific achievement and scientific advancement, we create art, you know, yeah, we create man. music, we create all of the other things in our realities that we, you know, enjoy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately we also create, you know, sure. Other things, disasters and everything too. For sure. Uh, but you know, it all comes from that same place. The, you know, the human imagination and yeah. where, where, what's the f- source of that? Dude, I wish I could tell you I know, that. Like, that is, well, I mean, like, I guess like, the, like what is your thoughts about it? Like, um, you know, like uh, if you had to like, uh, this is my cards I'm playing, you know? Well, and the truth is that like, I love to, uh, think of myself as a very logical person yeah. who, like, who I really do do my best to like my hero is Spock, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I do, I do love the idea of, acting as rationally as you possibly can. Yeah. But on this, I can't be rational. Yeah. Like there's some, it feels like there's something like there is some undercurrent. I used to, when I used to write more readily, like all the time, uh, I 
always said that I felt like an antenna mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I was just picking up radio waves. Uh, and you know, I guess it is like that, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, there's also the, um, shared memory, the, yeah. uh, uh, of, you know, hum, humankind, like the collective conscious, collective, yeah, the collective conscious and the collective memory and everything. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, think there is something to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about science fiction is, is that even though I'm not a person who is religious in any way and anything like that, it's impossible to deny that we don't understand reality. Yeah. That we don't have a full grasp on it. Yeah. And you, if you deny that you're a fool, yeah. like it, you can't, there's no way you can say that, Oh, we, we got it all figured out. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? like, <laughs> uh, so there are things that we don't understand yet. Yeah. And you could look at them as, science fiction you can look at them as uh philosophical you could look at them as spiritual and you know there are different approaches to these unanswered questions or whatever but yeah do you think we ever will answer them i don't know you know i uh, i recently heard of not a philosopher it was like some kind of huge scientist he was like we're close to like knowing what like like what this all started from, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, whoa, like, I mean, if like, how weird would it be if they're like, we're for sure it's this, you know, like, um, <laughs> that would be some mind blowing shit. You like, know, part, there's, I'm, I'm sure everybody would be uproared, obviously. Everybody like, no, it's this. No, it's I, I do think like there is a part of me that says, there's no point to any of this. And the fact yeah. that we're even having this conversation sure. is just an, you know, an yeah. evolutionary yep. blip. Yeah, yeah man. On, the on brain the, just making firings, dude. Yeah, just and creating there's reality. definitely a part of me that, you know, is like, okay, sure. That maybe is the truth, but you know, I just don't, you know, and again, this is what, this is the, again, for Star Trek again, this is the main point of Star Trek is the exploration of what it means to be a human being. Mm. Uh, you know, and the, the human being culture was collapsing and the Vulcans showed up and were like, Hey, we want to help you not collapse. We want to, you know, show you, uh, you know, a better way. And they didn't try to change humans into Vulcans. They didn't try to make them give up emotion. Uh, but they just led by example mm. of, you know, overcoming all of the emotional drives that cause us to do some of the things that, you know, cause society to break down. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that human element, uh, Kirk's human element is, you know, as important as any of the other things, you know what I mean? There's something about, and of course this is pure ego, pure hubris or whatever, but I, there's something about the human spirit. There's something about, and I said spirit, so look at me, I'm so conditioned, but you know, there's something about humanity, our Mm -hmm shared reality and our unique ability to perceive it Mm -hmm. that, you know, separates us. And I think it's pretty universally recognized among people, not entirely. Of course there are people, you know, paint them as nihilists or whatever, but I think that's also a big part of science fiction too. You know I mean? Or at least the best science fiction is, you know, how do we reconcile this humanity, this emotional creature that we are with our desire to be, you know, at equilibrium with reality. Hell yeah. <sighs> oh man. I love that dude. Um, yeah. Jesus dude. That's so good. Uh, what was I going to, I just lost my train of thought. Um, the growth and popularity of sci-fi. Like, why do you think lately with like, 
I mean, I don't even know if Black Mirror fits in that. I'm sure. Oh, maybe sure. The, yeah, okay, totally. Cool. At least, yeah. At least mid- okay. a lot of the episodes. I was about to say a, figure, a few of the episodes at least. Uh, there's another one like on. Did you see the Amazon Prime one? Um, Electric Dreams. I watched a little bit of it. That's based, couple, those are based loosely on Philip K. Dick's story. So I, oh, I gave it. I gave okay, it. Cool. I, uh, there's so much content. It's so Dude, that's hard. Exact, and, and yeah. you know, I try my best to read books, and I try. Mm-hmm. And plus, I'm doing the magazine. And Dude, seriously, and man. also I have to share uh, TV time with my yeah, fiance too. Of so and you know. Just, she gets to pick sometimes too. Yeah, of course. I can't always be like, <laughs> exactly. let's watch a sci-fi thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I guess the what I mean is like the rise, like the popularity. Oh, yeah. Like everyone loves Black Mirror. Everyone loves like these sci-fi, these like what ifs, these crazy trippy kind of like you know stories. Like why do you think that it is like almost snowballing now? You know, that's a great question. Um, I do think it's well. Some of the points we've already touched on about how it it's become kind of like a, a sort of a you said your listeners would have to accept that or at least yeah. partially believe that, you know, it does sort of dictate what's to come. Yeah. Whatever. And I think there's at least a subconscious understanding of it, mm-hmm. of its, it, its importance, you know, it's yeah. more than just entertainment. It's, it's almost like modern philosophy. I was just about to say that it almost seems like it's the last uh, playground because if you think about it, we have the internet, we have all knowledge. Mm-hmm. So the last thing we can do now is like conceptualize. Exactly. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Like, and, so it's like, it seems like it's the last place we can kind of really just let it rip, you know? And yeah. And, uh, and I think luckily that it's space, the final frontier, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it, it's, exa- it's exactly what it is, man. Like it's, yeah. we're going to, we've no, we have, there are still so many mysteries about earth, sure. about other co- parts of our reality. I like watching nature programs as much as I like oh, yeah, man. And, and enjoying nature, not just watching the programs. I love going hiking. Mm-hmm. I love going fishing. I love earth. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's miraculous. It's incredibly beautiful. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot wrong Sure. But, you know what I mean? Uh, And so if you can't really be comfortable with the reality we've got, uh, some people can't. Science fiction is a a, a reasonable escape and fantasy as well. You know what I mean? For sure. uh, But it also, I think, like like you said, it is like the last playground. Like Mm -hmm. we're running out of things to understand here on Earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though there are plenty of great mysteries and plenty of things to appreciate, and I I think I encourage everyone to renew their appreciation in. Yeah, that's a good point. Our real reality, our Mm -hmm. actual reality, instead of just, and I think this is a big problem, is people being like, oh, well, nuts to this, you know what I mean? Yeah. About our reality and, mm-hmm. and saying, just kind of giving up on it. Yeah, and instead, VR going in. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big problem mm-hmm. and I don't have any solutions at all to it, but <laughs> yeah, except sure. to encourage people to, you know, like be both the yin and the yang. Yeah. You know what unplug I mean? a little bit. To, for sure. You know, to tr- try to be well-rounded, like do both things. That's like, what I try to do for sure. Man. Um, and you know, if, just so that you have an appreciation for it. You, you know, yeah. I mean, you don't have to, I'm not saying you need to plant a garden on your roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just mean, just do your best to appreciate it. Well, we forget that we are it. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, exactly. This, so it's like, we need it almost. Absolutely. Like, we are absolutely you know? a part of this ecosystem yeah. of earth. And we're just, the only reason that we separated ourselves is because of these brains. we got. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> um, like fuck the outdoors. I'm getting AC. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, 
even yeah, I do, and again, don't. I'm not suggesting you guys go live in a yurt or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you for just, sure. <laughs> unless that's your it's thing. It's good for Instagram, if, though. Like, actually, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? More power to the yurt people, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got no problem with those Me guys. Me either, man. <laughs> uh, but you know, definitely do go sit out. Like right now, I'm sitting uh, on, in my kitchen, looking out the window, and there are just fireflies. Yeah, dude, it's just awesome. going out here. And like, if you're not filled with wonder. Yeah, for sure. By that, then you should do some reflecting, man. Like yeah. I think you should or some acid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to eat, whatever path you choose to, to, <laughs> just to reach that place. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, oh I, shit. I No, dude, for real though, you get out in nature, you know, like we go we we're really close to Red Top Mountain, you know, so we're like always out there with my two and a half year old and you can just see like that's his happy place. Every day he wants to be outside. Like he wants to be out at the park he wants to be in the woods he wants to be playing in the water you know like i mean he it's just it's natural and i think we forget so many times you know i had a lady named robin on and we talked about forest bathing and even scientifically now it's being prescribed to people with like depression and things like that it's like look get outside go outside be around nature like there's something about it because obviously like we're talking about man it's it's part of who we are it's in our dna and and, uh, it goes back to that idea that there's like a human spirit you know or something sort of like and it, yeah. what it means to be a human being yeah, yeah, and yeah. like you know just hold on to it guys hold on to that that thing you mm. know because if if we become totally machines yeah man uh you know and you know there won't be any reason to preserve the earth yeah uh we won't find a reason but we do have to we have to find a reason you know what i mean yeah and the reason should be obvious it's cool yeah hey, it's, hell it's, yeah it's dude. like a great place you, you, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> all my stuff's there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i got all my shit here people don't fuck it up <laughs> you know no, you know it's dude but, it's so true i mean dude look like when i think about space it's trippy as fuck dude we're like flying sixty-seven thousand miles an hour on, yeah, around the sun absolutely. we're floating like on tectonic plates of lava right now like it's crazy, dude, and and we we get to be here, man. Exactly. Like like a lot of us, we bitch and moan and complain about our lives, and yeah, like maybe we did fabricate a reality that kind of sucks, where we have bills and, and, and shit. And, you and know? also, there there are people who are way less privileged than we are. Oh, and for 100%. sure, so just want to make sure yeah. to come back to reality and yes. say that yeah, you know, yes. it, definitely. I I myself am definitely speaking from a place of privilege, and you know, I recognize Hell that yeah. the best I can. Yeah, and That's some people point. don't get an opportunity to dictate the reality the, to the to the level that I've gotten to. And That's so true. And, man. you know, you know, I wish more than anything that I could change that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to figure that out, guys. I really yeah. am. Yeah, uh, man. But- I think it goes back to just like the individual. Like I've been thinking about this too, man. I'm like, I'm here for a set of time, whatever that is. And I've done some stuff in my life. I've seen failure and success. I've seen poverty. I grew up with my parents being meth addicts <laughs> and, and a single wide, you know, like I know what that's like. And and then I've also known what it's like to make six figures. And I've known what it's like to travel the world. And I've known what it's like to work at Walmart. And I've known what it's like to, you know, do all these different things and all these different capacities and these experiences I've had, you know, but I, I'm like, well, what, it, you know, in the end now, like, what is it all for? Like, what what is my job? And I think it comes back to the end individual man like i was talking to my friend uh oh cory on the podcast it'll be probably released before this one and uh, we talked about racism man and i was scared like i i just was scared i was like 
I'm this white male, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't even know how to ask you as a black male if we can even talk about racism. Right. Like I didn't, like I was scared, and I told him that I was like, dude, I, I said, but I said, but I gotta do something. Like I gotta, like, like what is my part to all this? You know, like is it just retweeting some fucking thing about mm-hmm. like how we shouldn't be racist? You know, right. and I, and I loved what he said, man. He said that like that racism is in the air and it's, and sometimes it makes people choke. Sometimes people are okay with living in it. You know, he said, but you have to, you have to put on the gas mask that begins to filter that the air. And once you do that in your own life, then you can be again to help other people like put that gas mask on that filters out the, the racism in the air, you know? And I loved that so much and it really touched me a lot, but it goes back to like, for me, that's this. And I think for every single person, it's something for you. It's, it's infinite worlds, you know, and everybody like finds this thing that they love and they can do and begin to change the world in some little small way, you know, it seems. And I think it just comes back to being transparent and on and honest, man, and, and, and come forth in a loving way and attitude, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a lesson. I, I like, you know, I, I do, this is definitely a part of the message that I try to preach. And, you know, uh, of course I'm a hypocrite sometimes. Oh you know yeah. I, mean? dude, I, I get sure. angry. Me too. Oh uh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, we're you know, human. Uh, it's, you know, so it's, it's it. so hard. Don't read the comments, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, you know, and I'm definitely guilty of those kinds of things. But you know, I aspirations to be the best human being I can be. Sure, man. you know what I mean. And I think if that quality was more prized, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we would be able to build a better future. And again, I sound like I know that I sound like such a like self important asshole when yeah. I'm saying these things, nah, but man, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, but I, you do, you do have to take some responsibility yeah. for yourself at some point. And again, I know that lots of people are at disadvantage and, Dude, 100%, man. and, but you know, it, it does have to, it does start with yourself. You got to put the gas mask on like, yeah. your, like your friend said, yeah, man. um, there's a one I really love. <clears throat> it's in downtown Decatur. It's a, uh, mural. And I think it actually just recently got painted over, although cross my fingers, it didn't, Yeah. but it's, uh, it looks like an illustration from a, uh, air safety guide on an airplane oh. and it's uh two frames and it's just somebody, uh, putting the face mask on somebody else. And it just says, help yourself before you can help others. Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> and it's an dude. important lesson and it doesn't mean help yourself as in take things for yourself. It doesn't mean help yourself as in, uh, you know, make yourself the most important thing. Exactly. What it does mean is tend to your own, mm-hmm. like, uh, your inner verse so that it, the outer yeah, verse manifests absolutely. a better version, you know, yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, man. uh, you, you, you gotta pay attention. You gotta be able to think critically about yourself. Yes. And that is, uh, uh, it's a hard lesson to it's learn. It's work, dude. It is. And it's, it, it's it is. work. And, and it's never a perfect finished no, thing. Like you're never ever. Gonna, ever. And, you know, and I know when I think about how I was, mm-hmm. I think, oh, look how far I've come. Hell yeah. But I know that in five, 10 years from now, I'll look back at this person and be yep. like, what a naive moron. Yep. We'll and, be sitting on the beach, smoking cigars, be like, fuck, remember that time we did the pocket? We were assholes back then. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just you kidding. Know, and, you, and that's what life, well, life is a process of gaining Dude, wisdom. You know what I it mean? It is, man. And, for uh, sure. uh, and some of that wisdom couldn't come easier if you do put down the ego a little bit and just yeah. say, Hey, look, I got to work on myself. I got to yeah. fix me. So that I can be one of the uh, uh, creators, the craftsmen of the future. Yeah, exactly. And if some people don't want to, yeah, you know, and that's 
for sure. It's tragedy. It's a tragedy that some people don't want a hand in it, or they want to wreak havoc or destroy things. And, uh, you know, and there's so many reasons that that's happened. Societal reasons, uh, mental illness, uh, so just a myriad of reasons. Condition mind, how they're raised, people they're around, what the shit they listen to. Oh, man, so, so many reasons. So many, yeah. Um, And I, you know, I wish I had a solution for that too, but I don't, but yeah. the solution will come in my opinion from science fiction. Yeah. It'll come from imagining a solution. Mm, yeah. Imagining a world where it's not a problem exactly. and then connecting this dot to that dot. Yep. And that's how we solve problems now. Exactly. I feel like, you know, and uh, you know, I just want to encourage that way of thinking. And that's really my ultimate goal is to encourage people to to value their imagination, mm. to value having ideas about the way the future should be, uh, and projecting those ideas out into the world <laughs> because it's important. Yeah, it is important. And, um, you know what I mean? Uh, otherwise somebody else gets to decide the future and that person is possibly considerably more irresponsible than you or selfish or self-destructive or regular destructive. <clears throat> Yeah, dude, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, that's so good, man. Uh, I think before we wrap up, like, while we're in this kind of flow of, like, how do we fucking change the world? Like, and I think that, you know, you can't change unless you change. And what's so funny is, like, you know, you said this a few times on the podcast and and, uh, about, like, man, I don't want to sound, like, cheesy or, like, it sounds, like, so fucking. And that is the problem that I've found after two and a half years of doing this and, and talking to people in, like, a really deep, real way is that often sometimes that it sucks that the most simple concepts uh, like the, that can be dismissed as like Yogi or like Mm. whatever, or like, Oh, that's bullshit. Or that's just so fluff. Like idealistic thinking. Yeah. It often tends to be like the actual like reality and it's, and it's hard. It's like, it, it, it it's almost frustrating, man, because like, I, I, I just want, one thing I've realized is that, making yourself better is fucking hard and it's a lot of work. And that's why most people don't do it. Like for whatever reason we have give up levels that are all different. We didn't get to choose the, how many neurons are in our brains, you know, at birth, we didn't get to choose where we were born. Like you said that, you know, some people have it way better. Some people have it way worse. And it, and it was some often usually just the way they grew up, you know, and where they fucking landed on this crazy world, you know? But I feel like if every single person could somehow, take what they've been given and do the whole like fucking make lemonade with your lemons, you know, another bullshit fucking saying, but there is some sort of substance to that too. You know, Sure. And I don't blame people who are in a bad situation and can't turn it into lemonade. Yeah. You know what I mean? For those people, 100% for those people, I'm like, okay, that's a a net loss for humanity. Yeah. And you know, it's a, that's the human tragedy, Mm -hmm. but I'd say the majority of people can mm-hmm. make lemonade. You know what I mean? And yeah. if you can, you should. Yep. And that's just the, and you know, it's easy for me to say, you know what I mean? I get, but it's not always been easy for me to say, yeah. you know what I mean? I, again, it, 
Dude, you grew up where there was fucking radiation. Well, like, I mean, you know, you haven't always had it good. I mean, well, they just I, made an HBO there, show there, about there, the shit there, you there, went through. There were tons of people living in Germany at the time. Sure, you sure, know what I mean? Sure. So definitely yeah, nothing's been in that area of the world. It's just kind of cool. Like in Chernobyl either. But, I'm gonna start telling everybody. Uh, I'm like, dude, I know this guy. He was in Chernobyl. <laughs> like, yeah, he was actually he's, in the chamber. His dad grew a leg on his back. Uh, um, I'm a storyteller, dude. The fish gets bigger every time, yeah, dude. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm like, dude, my boy Winston, you don't even know. <laughs> I just start telling all these crazy stories. People are like, dude, I didn't know. And you, they start, you're like, dude, it's not true. You're like, well, that's what Ryan said. Like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. The, the legend, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you are going to be a science fiction story one day, dude. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, gonna, me, I feel like you are, like everybody is a science fiction mm-hmm. story. Like every, every reality right now on earth is a science fiction story because we're all Mm. surrounded by technology and moving into the unfolding future every day, every moment of life. And so there's no, you're stuck being in a science fiction story. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know what I mean? Try, try your best to steer it in your direction yeah, (laughs) or whatever your desired outcome to be. And there's so many approaches to that. Find an approach, find your approach yeah, uh, and do the work, roll up your sleeves and do the work. And that's the best advice I could give you. But definitely don't let people shit on your imagination. If you're coming up with something, it doesn't matter if it's good. It means that you're exercising that imagination and just keep that up. That is what we need in this world. Fuck yeah. So, dude, that's, that's dude, that's a great place to wrap up, dude. I love that. This was so much freaking fun, dude. We got to do it again, yeah, man. man. Thank you so uh, much for coming over and no, doing this. Dude, this, this has was, been great. Yeah, um, dude, this was freaking awesome, man. If people want to, um, you know, check you out, check out Infinite Worlds, like whatever, whatever you want to share, like what's the best place for people to be able to check all this stuff out? Well, um, the infiniteworldsmagazine.com. And that's, uh, there's not a lot of content on that website. I'll be totally honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but it's mostly set up for sales of mm-hmm. the magazine. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing a, uh, pre-sale for the second printing of issue one, issue one, the first printing sold out like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing a uh, pre-sale for, I don't know if this podcast will be broadcast in yeah. time for the ending of that or whatever, mm-hmm. but come check and see yeah. if there's still pre-sales available, um, uh, for the second issue, uh, and it's a really cool magazine. If you go to Heck my yeah, Instagram, uh, that's Infinite Worlds Magazine. Which at, is so at, fun. At, yeah, I, I, that's where the core of my uh, fan base is. I have about yeah. 40,000 followers yeah. or so at this point. And I mostly post old sci-fi art or old sci-fi movie clips or, you know, just things, yeah. that, I, I, things that I think are cool, that have a cool style. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, like, I think aesthetic is really important. Yeah. And I try to, you know, really try to fit. And all, but I also try to educate, you know, like yeah. I tell people about the material, what it is, mm-hmm. who, the, who the creator was. Um, I celebrate birthdays. Um, I answer questions a lot in the stories. Uh, I, yeah. I do that all the time. So, if, uh so if you have any questions, I learned a lot just starting to follow you, man. Like I'm like, I love it, dude. It's super fun. Man. It's a, you know, I it's consider, cool I don't consider it's myself cool. an expert. I consider myself an enthusiast, but an expert is just somebody who's been an enthusiast for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what I mean? I'll be, I'll be an expert eventually. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, other than that, you can just email me at info at infinite worlds magazine.com. If Heck you have any yeah. questions. And, uh, my name is Winston again. Winston. Dude. Winston, you're a freaking badass, man. Dude, no, man, thanks so are. much, man. <laughs> this was this was super fun, man. I can't wait to release this one. It's going to be awesome. Well, thank you again. And uh, you guys, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah.